Well, welcome to church, everyone. We are in part two of this fall series called Chasing Purpose, where we've really been looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And also, we've been talking about the mission and vision of our church. And I told you guys last week, I was born in the late 70s. So really, all of my childhood memories are from the decade of the 80s. And I, I think... Um, I think Pastor TJ and the sound guys, I gave them a, a picture of me as a little kid in the 80s. Can you guys put that? <laughs> TJ, you stink. That is not the picture that I, that I gave you. That is not, put, where's the picture that I gave you guys? All right, there we go. There we go. See, I was cute at one point in my life, all right? Man, that was mean, TJ. I just got to say, but so, so here's the deal. Um, Here's a question. How many of you were not alive yet in the 80s? Can I see a show of hands? Wow, several of you. I'm feeling really old this morning. But um, as a kid of the 80s, uh, one of the things that I loved was the ice cream man. Did you guys ever have the ice cream man, like, come into your neighborhood? And I remember we'd, be, we'd all be playing outside, and then you would hear that musical sound from the ice cream truck, and there was always one kid who would scream, ice cream, and we would all just run to back to our homes to try to beg money off of our parents. We would literally do anything. I think they had crack in the ice cream, because we would do anything to get money from mom and dad to be able to buy something from the ice cream man. The ice cream man had a great sales pitch. I mean, that was an excellent business model. In fact, sales and marketing in general really took off in the decade of the 80s. For those of you who were around in the 80s, uh, you might remember this, but infomercials on television began in the decade of the 80s. And it really started, like the one that really kind of kicked it off was the Ginsu Knife, the Ginsu Knife television commercial. Do you guys remember that? The Ginsu Knife. I remember wanting that so bad as a kid. It could cut through a tomato, a tin can, and the bumper of your parents' car, okay? But my mom was smart. She was like, no, we are, we are not getting you a knife. Now, we're, we're in church today, so let's try to be a little bit honest if we can this morning. How many of you guys, show of hands, have ever bought something off of television, off of an infomercial? Can I see a show of hands? A lot of you guys. All right, so we got some impulse, impulsive buyers out there. That's okay. I have too. A lot of crappy things in my garage um, were due to an infomercial. How many of you have ever bought something online, um, off of television, um, related to fitness, like P90X or Insanity or some Beachbody workout video. Show of hands, hold your hand up high, hold them high. Okay, these are the beautiful people right here. These are the beautiful people. I, um, I tried Insanity one time. Um, I almost died, okay? I, the guy wanted me to do burpees. Do you guys know what a burpee is? Yeah, yeah, okay, you know what a burpee is. Um, you you got to jump up, you drop down, you do a push-up, uh, you jump up again, and you keep doing that until you die. And the guy on the DVD kept yelling at me. He was screaming at me. He was like, you know, jump up, and he was like, land like a cat, land like a cat, land like a cat. Church, I am 250 pounds. I do not land like a cat. I land like a rhino, Okay. <laughs> I tried doing burpees, Julie and the kids freaked out. They thought there was an earthquake happening at home. But here's what I know in general about infomercials. Infomercials come on television, usually at what time of day? Nighttime, right? They usually come on late at night when people are maybe sitting in front of the television, probably alone, okay? And, and we start thinking, we start watching and we start thinking, you know what? 
if I could just buy that, I'd be better. If I could just get that, my life would suddenly become complete. This product will fulfill us. But when we actually get them, we often find out that it doesn't fulfill. And so then it gets cast aside. And here's the deal. We are much more likely, and there's been psychological research on this, we are much more likely to make an impulsive decision or a bad decision when we're alone. If there's a good friend sitting next to us when that infomercial comes on, they would probably look at us and be like, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Don't do it. Don't buy that. Now, making a bad decision and buying something crazy off of a television infomercial, it can be a waste of money. It can be a waste of time. It can also be a little bit funny. You might laugh about it a few years later. But some of us, we've made bad decisions that aren't funny at all. So let's get serious for a few minutes. Some of us in life have made a bad decision or a series of bad decisions. Maybe it was a small little lie that started to spiral and just went out of control. Maybe it was a decision or a series of decisions that you made during a certain season of your life. And looking back on it now, you call it spring break or, or freshman year or the first marriage or the second marriage. And, and looking back on it now, we might even think, you know, I wish that there was somebody in my life who loved me enough to have sat me down during that season of life and had a serious conversation, maybe a difficult conversation with me. Someone who would have said, listen, I love you. I care about your life. And I see the road you're going down. And I think if you keep going down that road, it's going to go badly for you. And I don't want that to happen. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're watching online or if you're in church this morning and you don't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus or you're on the fence about this whole God thing and the Bible and all of that, first of all, let me say we are so, so, so glad that you're joining us this morning, whether you're in this building or watching online. Second of all, I want to let you know something. You're off the hook this morning. You're off the hook this morning. Some of the things we're going to talk about today, I believe, can really benefit your life can have a real positive impact on your life if you apply it. But these are things that Jesus followers are actually commanded to do. So you're off the hook. But in this series, we've been looking at the core values of our church and what we believe as a church community that it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, last week, in week one, we began by saying that a follower of Jesus, a leader for God, really boils down to one key word. And that word is this, love, love, that really everything as a follower of Jesus falls under the umbrella of this word. In fact, Jesus said this in John 13, 35, he said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. If you what, church? Love one another. That amazingly, the key, the first step to really becoming a follower of Jesus is not how much Bible you can quote. It's not how smart you are. It's not whether you understand the Hebrew and the Greek. No, the first step is not about being religious enough or being able to follow a bunch of rules. The very first step in becoming a follower of Jesus is connected to one little and yet powerful word, love. 
And this is why our first core value as a church, the umbrella value that covers everything else is this. And we talked about this last week, that loved people love people, that loved people love people. It's this incredible understanding that followers of Jesus are really formed through love and love relationships. And I don't want you to miss that because every other core value we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks really, really, really falls under this umbrella, this truth, and this greatest commandment that Jesus taught for us to live in a vertical love relationship with our Heavenly Father, and through that love relationship, to be able to live out a love relationship horizontally with everybody else around us, that loved people love people. And then after we unpacked that last week, we kind of dove into this incredible story from the New Testament about a guy named Philip and his best buddy, Nathaniel. And we saw how Jesus found Philip, and Philip's life was changed. I mean, it became something radically different through that relationship. And the first thing that Philip did after his life was changed, after he became a follower of Jesus, was he went and looked for his buddy Nathaniel to tell him about Jesus. Why? Because of our second core value, that found people find people. That found people find people. See, we're not on this planet just for ourselves. As followers of Jesus, we're here to impact other people for God. So we said last week, if you're stressed out because you're like, hey, I'm the only Christian in my place of work. I'm the, I'm the only follower of Jesus in my school. God, this is so rough. Hey, maybe God put you in that place where there are not a lot of people who know Jesus so they might be able to encounter him through you. Because every person you ever meet is loved by God. And every person you ever meet has an eternal destination. And if you're a follower of Jesus, every person you meet should matter to you because they're loved by and they matter to God. And that's why our second core value is that found people find people. Now this week, we're gonna examine another core value, which is this, that according to the scriptures, growing people grow with people. Growing people grow with people. You see, Scripture clearly tells us that we are not called to do life alone. God didn't call us to walk through lives as a solo Christian all by ourselves. In fact, if, if the COVID pandemic has taught us anything as a society, it has shown us that isolation is emotionally and mentally destructive, that we are created to be able to have community and relationships with other people. We need community in order to stay mentally and emotionally healthy. And this truth certainly applies to followers of Jesus. In fact, there is no such thing, I would argue, there is no such thing as a sold out, growing follower of Jesus who isn't tied into community and a local body of believers. A larger church community and also a smaller group community, people they can do life with to help each other grow, to hold each other accountable. And you can try to get around that, but church, it's not biblical, and it'll go badly for you. So let me ask you guys a Bible question this morning. And this time, I promise, the, the answer is not Jesus. Usually when a pastor asks a Bible question in church, nine times out of 10, the answer is Jesus, but not this time. So put on your thinking caps. You ready? Who do you think was the most popular out of the original apostles? Who do you think? 
out of the original 12. Not, probably not Bartholomew or Thaddeus or Simon the Zealot. Who, who's the one who, you know, participated in miracles, walked on water? Who, who do you think? Peter, right? Like Peter, if you look at the original 12, Peter was like the man, okay? He, he was the first that, that God gave the insight to realize who Jesus was, that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. And Jesus called him the rock when God revealed that to him. Jesus said, Peter, you got it. Ding, 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 right answer. And on that truth, I'm going to establish my church. I mean, Peter, he freaking walked on water with Jesus. Like, I would have loved to have experienced that. So today, as we unpack this idea that growing people grow with people, I want to start by looking at the example of Peter this morning. And this story is found in Matthew 26, and here's where we kind of are in the story. They're about to arrest Jesus. This is the start of really what's, what's going to happen during, during that whole Easter event where he's going to be arrested and, and beaten and tortured and eventually crucified. And we pick up here in Matthew 26 in verse 56, and here's what happened. It said, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. The apostles see Jesus arrested, and they're scared. And so what do they do, church? They run. They run. Peter ran from the literal body of Christ. And church, what is the body of Christ today in the world? It's the church. So Peter separated himself from the closest people. He, he separated himself from the other disciples. He separated from Jesus. He separated from all those who have helped keep him accountable. And you know what happens every time someone separates themselves from the church and their closest community who keeps them accountable? It goes badly. I've never seen a person in 25 years in pastoral ministry who walked away from the church, who walked away from their closest Christian community around them and said, wow, I'm really growing now in my relationship with God. It's never happened. Let's pick up in verse 58. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and he sat down with the guards to see the outcome. Some of us Christians, we do this. We, we like to follow Jesus at a distance. So that's Peter. And he sits down with the guards. So he's left the other apostles. He le he's left his, his core group, his small group community. And now he's actually sitting with the enemies of Jesus. Peter takes himself away from the body of Christ, his closest support, and now he's sitting alone with the enemies of God. And watch what happens, verse 69. Now Peter was, was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. If you take yourself away from the body of Christ in your closest Christian support, denial is inevitable. It's not will you walk away, it's when will you walk away from Jesus. If Peter, who walked with Jesus, if Peter, who experienced firsthand the miracles of Jesus, fell into this trap, we easily, easily can too. But he didn't deny just once. Verse 71. Then he went to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. 
He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Once we deny Jesus once, guess what? It gets easier and easier to do so. Once we start slipping away and drifting away from God and community, it becomes easier and easier to do so. Once we stop our regular habit of our devotional time or being in small group community or attending church, it becomes easier and easier to do so. Peter's slippery slope continues. Verse 73, after a little while, they're standing there, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. You're a Galilean. We can tell by your accent. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Notice how his denials got stronger each time, right? He denies. He denies with an oath, and then he completely flips out and starts cussing everybody out around him. Verse 75, immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. You know, one of the cool things though is that in this account, we know that Peter belongs to Jesus. Do you know how we know that? Because he realizes how his denial has broken Jesus' heart and he feels bad about it. He starts to repent, and he starts to get things right with God. And Peter, Peter the denier, Peter the cusser, would go on to become a great hero of the Christian faith. But Peter also teaches us an important lesson. What we can learn from him is this, that if Peter, who walked with Jesus, Peter, who walked on water with Jesus, if he could fall into this trap, so can we if we distance ourselves from Christian community. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to community. You are called to be an active participant in the family of God. There's a Greek word called koinonia, which means participation. It means fellowship. It means relational connection. In other words, we're not meant to be on an island living a solo Christian life all by ourselves. No, we are called by God to do life together. And I've met numerous Christians over the years who've said, Pastor, I'm really trying to grow in my faith. You know, I've started reading my Bible. I got a daily devotion. I started doing my devotions on a regular basis. I decided to, to take a next step and go public with my decision of faith and get baptized, which is awesome. By the way, we still have a sign-up sheet out there, October 3rd, if you're interested in going public and getting baptized. They say, Pastor, I've done those things. I'm going to church regularly. I'm doing that. I'm trying to serve. I'm trying to use my talents and my abilities for God. I'm trying to do all these things. And yet, I get up each day and I still... I still kind of don't feel like God is speaking to me. I don't feel like he's just, there's that excitement and there's that intensity in my life. I mean, I want to do great things for him. I want to change the world for him, but I, I, just, I just don't feel that intensity. I love God. I want to make a difference for him. But something feels like it's missing. And after speaking with them, more often than not, nine times out of ten, 
what I come to discover is they're not plugged into any kind of real Christian community. In order to grow into the person that God wants us to become, we need community in our lives. And again, that's why our third core value as a church is this, that growing people grow with people. See, American churches as a whole, we struggle with building community. And this is a struggle because we live in a wealthy nation where people are materialistically and experientially quite rich, but oftentimes we're relationship poor. And most people can get their basic needs met. In fact, most people in our country can even get many of their wants met. And when it comes to our, our kids and, and our, our you know, relationships with them, we try to give them everything that maybe we feel like we missed out on as a kid when it comes to you know, material things or sports and, and activities. But oftentimes, they have few deep relationships, even within their family. They have a thousand friends on social media, and yet, as they sit down in a crowded room, they often still feel terribly, terribly alone. Most Christians I know don't participate in biblical community. Deep, authentic, spiritual relationships with other people. Most Christians are relationally impoverished. So why is that? Well, I'm going to argue this morning that, that partially it's the fault of church leadership. So it's partially my fault as well as other church leaders. Because for years, we as church leaders have asked a very, very important critical question of people. But I believe there's a second question which is almost as critical and yet it's hardly ever asked. See, church, here's a question that we ask all the time. This is the big question that you've probably heard in church and, and you've heard a pastor say this. This is the big question right here. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? And that's an important question. It's a real important question because you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't piggyback off of someone else's faith like your parents or your grandparents. And 100 years from now, it won't matter what you got in geometry or how good you were at lacrosse or how much money you made in a career. All that's going to matter 100 years from now is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? So no doubt that's an important question that should be asked in church. But there's a second question, which I've never really heard asked, but I believe is almost as critical, if not as critical. And that question is this, do you have a shared relationship with Jesus? Do you have a shared relationship with Jesus? Are you doing life in a committed way with other followers of Jesus? Now, can you have a, a very real personal relationship with God? Absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt. But you could potentially have an even more powerful, deeper relationship with God when you start to experience him in community. Jesus didn't say in scripture, wherever one of you gather, there I am. Instead, he said, wherever two or three of you gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Do you feel like something is missing in your walk with God? As a follower of Jesus, you're called to community. Why? Because growing people grow with people. And to illustrate this, we're going to end today by looking at the first biblical community of about 3,000 believers 
found in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. And from this first Christian community in Acts, we're going to learn two really important things about community, and then we're going to end today. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one about Christian community, it demands extreme commitment. It demands extreme commitment. It's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to accidentally just luck into an intimate koinonia relationship with other people. You have to make a decision, a personal decision, to put the effort to pursue it. Here's what we learn about the early Christians in, in Acts 2, verse 42. It says this. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves, they committed themselves to four things as believers. So I want us to do as we kind of wind down the service today is just briefly look at these four things. And I want us to kind of do a little bit of a self-evaluation and to kind of ask ourselves, to look in the mirror and ask ourselves on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being amazing and one being this isn't happening right now, where are you when it comes to these four areas in life? The first is this, teaching. Teaching. How often are you getting together with other people and studying the Bible? And yes, it's important to have your personal devotions, and it's important to go to church and, and have that church large group community, but it's also critical to study the Bible with a small community of people because that will, will be so impactful in your walk and in your growth because you're going to hear other people's opinions and other people's thoughts on something. And you may have heard a passage of scripture a hundred times, a thousand times in your life, but then somebody in your small group is going to come at it from a different angle and it's going to completely open your eyes up to see something in a new light. There is something powerful about the presence of God when his word is experienced through community. Are you sharing God's word together? The second area is this, fellowship. Fellowship. Are you doing life together with other Christians? Not just, hey, how are you doing casually on a Sunday morning, but are you really opening up with people? Do you have people in your life who know your struggles, who know your heart, who know some of the dark thoughts that maybe go through your head at times? Do you have people in your life who woke up today with you on their mind? that they prayed for you this morning before you even got here? Are there people in your life that you prayed for this morning before you even got here? Did you wake up today not just thinking about yourself, but a community of people who you love and who you're invested in? See, some sins we don't wrestle with, we don't struggle with. If I'm on my way home one night, and I stop over at Pastor TJ's house and I see him sitting, you know, distraught on his front steps. And he says, man, I need your help. Pastor AJ, I'm broke. I need some quick cash. I was watching Breaking Bad on Netflix. Let's cook up some drugs. We'll get rich. What do you say? See, I'm not struggling with that decision. I'm not whipping out a pros and cons chart, okay? Pros get to live out Grand Theft Auto with TJ. Some possible fun sermon illustrations. Cons, lose my job, my family, go to jail, right? I'm not doing that. I'm going to see TJ, you need a hug, and I'm going to hug him. And then I'm going to tell his wife, Nakomi, and sick her on him, and she'll deal with him, right? 
See, some sins we don't wrestle with. It's the ones we don't see coming that require that close community around us. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever watched the antelopes and lions episode on the Nature Channel? It's an interesting, interesting episode whenever it comes on. And all the antelopes, they hang out like in a small group together, right? And they're sitting there, they're eating their grass. Then the camera pans over to the lioness because it's the female lions that do the hunting. The men are lazy and the women bring them the food. And these lionesses, they're like prowling and they're kind of in the grass getting close. And then there's always one antelope. Just looks up. <laughs> kind of spots something. <clears throat> which in antelope means lion, right? And they all start running. And the lions chase off after them. That's what we have to do for each other as community. Because the enemy is coming. We've got to be willing to look out for each other. The antelope that says, you know what, I'm just going to chill here. Just keep eating my grass, pray for my friends, listen to Christian music on the radio. There's a name for that antelope. Dinner. We need wise people around us who are going to knock some sense into us at times in our life. We need to look out for each other. And you know what, I got to tell you, that's what my small group does for me. I've got some guys in my small group, and not only have we been meeting together in a small group, we've decided we're going to get together for times of accountability in this next year. And these are guys that I've given permission to call me out on stuff in my life. I've got friends who are willing to be real with me, and they're, they're going to tell me, hey, AJ, you're being kind of a jerk to your wife and your kids right now. Hey, when you go on vacation, you don't need to take your cell phone with you and answer every email and every text message. You've got a great staff team. You need to take that time and focus on your family when you go on vacation because your wife deserves better from you. Your kids, they deserve the best from you. Ouch, right? Things like that could be hard to hear at times, but we need wisdom like that. We need good friends in our life who are going to help us to wake up and to make the necessary changes and course corrections that we need to make in our lives. See, church has become a place where we often pretend to be perfect. And then when somebody falls, everybody acts shocked about it. We need to encourage one another to be real. And, and let me tell you something. Encouragement is not condoning bad behavior. It's picking up our fallen brothers and sisters and saying, you know what? You don't have to live this way anymore. You can overcome this. And I'm going to stand here with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to help you along the way. I want our church to be a place where it's okay to not be okay and where we can come and we can be real and transparent, but also for it to be a place where we can get help and we can change and we can take next steps and we can step into the greater things that God has for us. The third area is this. Are you breaking bread together? Are you breaking bread together? Someone's like, oh, I didn't do good on the first two, but I'm really good at this one. I'm not talking about hitting a restaurant and stuffing your face, okay? Are you opening up your home to other people to embrace community and breaking bread? Some people are like, well, my home isn't nice enough to invite others over. Boy, are you missing the point. 
I live in a home with five kids between the ages of two and 18 and a two-year-old dog, okay? And, and two seniors as well. Every area of my house looks like a bomb went off. In fact, if Julie and I leave the kids alone long enough, they might build a bomb. It's quite possible, okay? Silence is never good in my house. Screaming lets us know they're alive. Some of you parents understand that. My house is literally a disaster movie, okay? Seriously, I found, I found underwear in the dishwasher before. It's that bad. But the point of community isn't pretending that your house is perfect and that everything has to be clean and it looks like Downton Abbey for people to come over. It's about being real with others. The fourth area is this, praying together. Are you experiencing prayer in community? Not, dear God, bless the food, let's eat. If I'm being honest here, I'm probably a two or a three on this one. In my own small group, we, we pray every time we meet. But what about really pouring out to other people our struggles, our triumphs? What about getting on our knees before God together and, and praising him and lifting others up in prayer when they're struggling? So number one, biblical community demands extreme commitment. But here's the awesome thing. Number two, number two is this. Biblical community, it produces extreme results. It produces extreme results. Check out the results that occurred in the very first church in Acts, picking up in verse 44. It says, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. See, they weren't caught up in infighting. Back then they didn't have denominations arguing whose way was right. They were united. They were together. And they broke the power of selfishness through generosity, taking care of anyone who had a need, actually being the church, telling everyone around them the good news of Jesus, meeting together in community, praying for each other, helping those who had needs. What would happen if the Christian church acted like that today? It could change our country. It could change the world. How many people would come to know Jesus as Lord? Look at the result. Look what happened in the first church. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Doing community demands extreme commitment. But guess what, church? It produces extreme results. By pursuing community, the owners of the first church grew not only in their personal faith, but they grew the church. And this is why our third core value as a church is that growing people grow with people. We want every one of you guys who decide to partner with us to become an owner here we want you to seek out biblical community in your life. It's important. It's biblical. See, life change happens when we're willing to stop being fake and start being real with some close people in our lives trying to walk the same direction that we are. And it takes time and it takes effort and it just doesn't happen talking to somebody in the foyer on a Sunday morning after church. This is why small groups 
are critical. This is why one of our core values is that growing people grow with people. So my question for you today is simply this. Do you have that in your life? Do you have that? And here's my challenge. If you don't have biblical community in your life, would you be willing to make the effort to seek it out? Today in the foyer, um, Pastor Nancy, who is our executive pastor and oversees next steps and discipleship, she's gonna be sitting back at a table answering any questions you might have about all the small groups that are launching this fall. She's even got a brochure back there. You can look at all the different groups and what days they're meeting and what they're gonna be talking about. She would love to talk with you. I wanna encourage you, if you're not a part of Christian community, why not consider doing that? If you're watching online right now, you can always just shoot us a little email, a little note saying, hey, I'm interested in community. We'll have one of our staff call you, give you some information, help you get connected. There's not only live groups that are gonna be meeting this fall, but there's some Zoom groups that are gonna be meeting as well if you're not ready yet to be around a lot of other people physically because of what's happening in the world. We understand that. But community is important and we wanna give you the tools to be able to get there. Why? Again, because growing people grow with people. Now, if you have a relationship with other believers, if you regularly attend a small group, if you've been doing it for years, for you, my challenge is this. Would you be willing to take it to the next level and start to get a little more real with the people in your group instead of maybe just pretending like everything is always okay? See, community is critical. We are not meant to do the Christian life alone. Why? Because growing people, what church? Grow with people. Can we pray together? Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we, God, we thank you today for just the incredible example that you show us through scripture of the apostle Peter. And it would be so easy for, you know, all of these Bible heroes to have been written in the scripture as being perfect people who never screw up and never do anything wrong. But God, you, you didn't do that. As you inspired your scripture to be written, it's very real. And we see the flaws and we see the, the, the mistakes and we see even the sins committed by great heroes of scripture. And so we thank you today for the example of Peter who at a point in his life got disconnected from community. He got separated from the body of Christ and from his closest friends and he drifted. And because of that, he denied Christ three times. But God, you offered him incredible grace and forgiveness and he realized his sin and he repented. He turned back to you and you used Peter to be one of the great heroes of scripture helping to start your church, helping to launch the Christian faith, helping thousands and thousands of people during his generation come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that we can learn from his example and not fall into the same pitfalls, Father God. Help us to realize the importance of community. If we're not currently involved in community, Father, help us to get plugged in. 
Help us to remember that growing people grow with people. And if we are involved in community, help us to, to start to be real, to start to open up and share and trust some close people around us so that we can grow, that we can take next steps into the greater plans, the greater future that you have for us. We love you, God. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing together as we respond to what God is doing. Sing this with me. Shout your praise. Let's be part of that praise this morning.
Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon these, your people, this morning. God, as always, we pray that you would give us wisdom to know what to do with what we heard today from the incredible story of the Apostle Peter and also the early church in Acts. Father, give us the wisdom to know what to do with that, but also the courage to take action, to, to make a course correction, to make a change in our life so that we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story that you have for us. Whether it's going in the back and, and talking with Pastor Nancy today and getting information about a small group, considering joining one this fall, whether it's starting to be real with the people around us who are trying to, to move in the same direction we are. Father, would you guide us? Would you help us? God, we love you. And our desire is to grow closer to you. God, we know that growing people grow with people. Help us to make that next step. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in the lives of your people, for decisions that are being made today, for life change that's gonna happen in the weeks and months ahead. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I wanna give you guys a couple quick announcements too as we uh, end today. Not only about meeting Nancy out there, but a couple dates to be thinking of. Um, September 30th, if you can put that on your calendar, we'll have more information in the weekly email. But there is gonna be a denominational meeting happening here on September 30th, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. where they're gonna be talking about the new district superintendent for the main district in that search. Uh, many of you know our district superintendent, Dr. Steve Dillman, is gonna be retiring after this year. And if you'd like to get more information on that and hear a little bit about that process, we invite you to come to South Portland Church again on September 30th. The other announcement for many of you might know this who get, get the weekly email, um, but Pastor Cheryl Curlew, the longest associate in the history of this church, she's been here 19 years with her husband, Tim. Uh, they are making a move to permanently reside in Sebec, Maine, a couple hours north of here. Uh, they believe that God is calling them potentially to do a ministry there, maybe even start a house church there, and we're going to support them. Uh, she is kind of keeping her credentials here. We're kind of their, their support, their mother church, but we want to bless her and Tim with what God is calling them to do at this stage in their life and this incredible journey that he's kind of um, pushing them towards. And so in the, for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna have um, a little shadow box out in the lobby with uh, Cheryl and Tim's picture on it. I wanna ask you as a congregation to bless them well with, with cards, with gifts, with thank yous, with words of encouragement. Um, we are excited to see what God is gonna do and we wanna support them and, and walk along with them through this process and through this journey. And if you see Cheryl, give her a hug and let her know you love her, that you're on her team and that you're gonna be praying for her. Okay, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Can't wait to see you guys back next week as we continue in part three of Chasing Purpose. It's